Good morning, everybody. It's Shanna D, and it is time for your daily bread straight out of the promise box. I'm very excited about today's scripture because today's scripture is one of the reasons that we hop into the Bible in the first place because we know that it's not just a book written by random people or even great people, but it is a book breathed by God himself. So with that said, let's hop in to 2 Timothy 3. All right, so we're looking at 2 Timothy 3, chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. If you're writing it down, if you're searching it on Google, if you're finding it on your version app, if you are flipping through the pages, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Now, I take a little bit of time to look into these scriptures as we talk about them. But really, I'm just telling you like what comes right out of my heart and my thoughts when I read this. So this scripture happens to say every scripture, again, I'm reading amplified because y'all know me. Every scripture is God breathed, given by his inspiration and profitable for instruction for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. So this scripture tells us, like, hey, the words in this book were inspired by God. They're not there by accident, but very on purpose. So this gives confidence to the readers of the word that you are, I love how I've heard it said, and my husband says it all the time, that the Bible is the only book where when you're reading it, the author is present. The writer of the Bible is God through divine inspiration to those that followed him, that loved him, that listened closely to him. He inspired all the books of the Bible, every scripture, everything that you find in the Bible was inspired to be there by God. Why? So we could learn because it's profitable for us. Now, yesterday, we talked about how God's word, uh, it revives and it renews the entire person, like your whole self, your soul, all of you. And that's fantastic. And we love when we talk about how the Bible heals and how the Bible restores and how the word of God renews us. But this verse is so important. I was laughing to myself on the inside, not out loud, because that would be awkward. And people would look at me strange, but I thought, man, okay, you know, as we read this, this scripture, this may not be, uh, our favorite scripture. If we're honest, let me show you why. Okay. So every scripture is God breathed. That's amazing. Given by his inspiration, super cool and profitable. I love to profit, right? So, so far we're good for instruction. Okay. Instruction, like, like instructions on how to build furniture from Ikea. Hopefully more clear than that, but instruction. I'm good with instruction. You're probably okay with instruction. We like to know how to do the things that we need to do or are supposed to do. That sounds great. For reproof. Now, hold up. Uh, Reproof. Now, this is where we start to get... (laughs) This is where... This is where we might start to get like a little... Wait, hold up. What are you talking about for reproof? For reproof, I had to even, because I kind of know what reproof means, but I I went ahead and looked it up. 
Um, and no, it's not to make a garment waterproof again, although that is one of the definitions. No, 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 no. Uh, reproof is an act or expression of criticism or censure. Like, stop. Like, I'm criticizing what you're doing. What you're doing is wrong. Stop it. Censure. You, you need to cease what you're doing right now. And suddenly I feel like, well, hold on. This scripture is, this scripture is you know, kind of stepping on my toes. Reproof? So you mean I'm going to get rebuked with this word? And conviction. Hold up. So you're going to tell me that I'm guilty of sin? Okay, so every scripture is God-breathed. We're good with that. We're good with the inspiration. We're good with the instruction. But then here come reproof. Reproof, y'all. Listen. Rebuke, I think, is the word I was thinking of. Reproof and conviction of sin. All right. Well, you know what? I probably could use that in my life. Okay, I'll let, let I'll let it slide. For correction. Now, now hold up. Don't nobody like to be corrected. Of error and discipline. These words are starting to like rub us the wrong way. Correction and discipline and training to be in conformity. I feel like this is a list of things that we don't realize how vital that they are or how good they are for us. These are not things that we by nature want. Can I just tell you that real quick? It's okay to recognize that your flesh and your nature does not want to be rebuked, convicted, corrected, disciplined, or trained to conform to anything. Why? YOLO, you only live this life once, uh, no regrets, nobody can judge me, I do things my way, um, it's my life. Like there is this super prevalent thing that's I think in all of us for the beginning and without any oversight or any direction, that selfish like thing will reign supreme in our lives, in our thoughts. And let me tell you, you never know or you, you've never seen a more <laughs> in need of rebuke or discipline or correction or guidance. Because this is a word that we don't mind is guidance. But guidance has to come through some other means that don't feel good. And let me tell you, you don't realize how bad you need it until you see a kid who hasn't been instructed how to behave. Until you go somewhere, like you go to a restaurant or you go out in public and you see a kid who talks back, who is running all over the place, who's screaming at the top. Like, it's like, does no one tell this child how to behave? Does no one help this kid? Because, you know, th these kids are running out and playing in the street. That's not even safe, you know, and in their mind. They don't know any better. They've never been taught any better. And so therefore, they just do whatever comes to them. Now, I've met whole grown people. And I've looked at these people and thought, you don't have nobody to tell you that your behavior is obnoxious, do you? You don't have anyone that you can submit to that says, hey, you are too loud and nobody around you is enjoying this experience because you are talking back and you're being rude. And, and at that point in time, we can see the importance of correction. You see, it's never so easy to see the importance 
of instruction and reproof and conviction and correction, discipline and training until you see the lack of it, until you run into a moment where it's not there. And it's very difficult to allow ourselves to go through this process and to be instructed and to be convicted and to be corrected and to be disciplined. It's very difficult because you have to submit your will. You have to submit. And that is not something by nature that comes easily to us. But when we don't do it, we lack these things. And so what we're trying to do on a daily basis is to submit our lives unto the word of God, to allow the word of God to be a magnifying glass on all the places where we are lacking in righteousness, because we need to be trained. Guys, this is not going to come naturally. You're not going to just wake up one day because you got saved and you got baptized. You're not just going to wake up and be like, everything that I do is holy. (laughs) Like that doesn't happen. It is a process that requires dying to self every single day, every single day. You know, I think about, um, man, when I was thinking about reproof, if I can say the word, and rebuke, I remember the scripture um, in, where were we? We were in Matthew. So we're jumping to another scripture just for a second. Matthew 16, 23, when, uh, you know, Peter was like, nobody's ever going to kill you. We're going to you know, we're going to protect you or whatever he was saying. He was, he had good intentions and Jesus rebuked him. And he turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling, stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And I feel like that moment probably marked the mess out of Peter. Like Jesus turned around and said, Satan, get behind me. He had good intentions. He loves Jesus. He doesn't want to see Jesus hung on a cross. But at that moment, he didn't understand, nor was he really thinking about what God's will was in the earth. And so he was just moving out of his mind, will, and emotions. My mind, my will, my emotions, his soul. He was operating in his flesh even though it was noble and we're like, man, I get you. I understand. But God had a purpose that he was trying to accomplish. And it doesn't always make sense to us. And oftentimes it will go against what we think is right. Are we willing to submit our lives to the word of God, to be instructed in something different, to be reproofed and convicted for correction of error and discipline that we might be obedient and then trained in what is righteousness, holy living, holy living in conformity to God's will in, look at this, thought, purpose, action. That sounds like mind, will, emotions, right? What we're thinking that it would conform and submit to the will of God. What we are wanting, our emotions, the purpose, the why behind what we're doing. Let that conform to the will of God. And finally, our actions and what we actually do will conform to the will of God that we could be righteous, and holy as an example to non-believers. So this is a difficult process. Um, And this scripture is fantastic because it's not going to sugarcoat anything. Like this is the word of God. And here's what it's here for. Because you don't know how to live. Because you don't know what's right. You think you do. There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. And so we have to be willing every single day. It's difficult, guys. 
and, and it's okay if we mess up. It's okay if we get off track. It's okay if we, we fall or you go, oh man, you know what? I haven't really been doing that as I've read the word. I just kind of, I read it as a check mark on a list of things I've done to be a good Christian. And, and I'm not really allowing the word to be a magnifying glass that looks into my life and says, hey, I know you have good intentions here, but this does not align with my will. I know that you have good intentions to to talk with that person about their problems, but but you are becoming a sounding board for somebody who is not ever going to change and your resentment is building in your heart and you're starting to get offended on, by things that somebody else is offended. This is not my will for you and I know you had good intentions, but that relationship needs to come to an end. Sometimes we can't see that until the word of God shines a light on it for us. And so that's why we do this. That's why we read the word. That's why we unpack the word and we say, okay, God, what are you trying to show me today? So today I believe that God is saying, when I see those kids that run around in the street that act up, I think, you know what? It takes a lot. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of time. It's exhausting to parent a child. It is exhausting. Have I told you guys that yet? It's exhausting. I have three. I'm exhausted. (laughs) It is difficult to parent, but parents do it because we care so much. I care so much about who they become. I want them to be kind. I want them to be loving. I want them to be honorable. I want them to be people who listen to others and, and listen to instruction. And so I spend all of my time really like a majority of my life is given to parenting my children and when you see kids who just while out you realize man who is giving their life to teach them it looks like nobody and so God is trying to tell you I love you so much I want to instruct you I want to teach you I don't want you to head down this path of YOLO where you're going to just one day get to the end of your life and look back and say, holy cow, what was I thinking? Why did I behave that way in my 20s? Man, I didn't know what I was doing in my 30s. Man, why was I such an idiot in my 40s? I should, like, God is trying to prevent us. He wants us to be able to look back and say, man, I'm glad that I submitted to God because that could have gone another way. Instead of looking back and seeing moments where We just acted out of our own self-interest constantly and consistently and all the things that that will cost us. God loves us. And so the father that loves his child corrects his child. So this is just an example of God's love to us, that he gave us a word, his word, that he took the time to breathe it, that he was patient with the people who were writing it because they weren't perfect, but he gave us his word that we might be righteous and live holy lives that conform to his will, thought, purpose, and action because he knows what's best for us. He has a better plan for us than we have for ourselves. And in the end, we won't follow our own way and reap destruction, but we will follow God's way and fulfill the purpose that he placed in our life that he formed us in the womb for. And let me tell you, no better life than that life right there. I love you guys. This was your promise box. This was your daily word. I got to get going. Y'all can hear the noise happening in my house. Everybody's awake and we have things to do today. So I hope that you have an incredible day. Attack everything you got to get done. Knock it out. But don't forget to unpack that word. Love you. God bless. Bye bye.